Welcome to the show. My guest today is comedian Greg Warren. I found him from uh, listening to the Comedy Channel on Sirius XM. And then I looked up uh, more of his clips online, and I instantly became a fan of his comedy. He has some really great bits, and he's really good at doing the voices and different characters. Uh, he's been on Comedy Central, Seth Meyers, Craig Ferguson, Amy Schumer's show, among others. Um, but I also found his background interesting. He actually went to West Point, which is a military school, um, on a wrestling scholarship. Um, and that didn't work out. And then So then he got a job selling Pringles. And he did that for like 10 years uh, before he finally made the leap to stand-up comedy full-time. And the rest is history. Um, just a funny and all-around nice guy. Uh, we talk about all this stuff. And I hope you guys enjoy this interview with comedian Greg Warren. Are you ready to do this? Yeah, sure. Sure, man. Okay. So... Uh, how are you, first of all, how are you handling the uh, quarantine? I heard that you, you read a Gordon Lightfoot biography and you wrote some jokes. I did, man. Yeah, I don't know where you, uh, you heard that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I did, uh, I did read a Gordon Lightfoot biography and I read um, Bob Probert, who's a, goal, uh, a hockey player from, uh, from played for the Red Wings and the, oh. the Blackhawks. Those are the two biographies I've read. I've read a couple other books. I need to. I need to get back to the reading, man. I was doing real well for there for a while, and then I got uh, sucked into some awful TV. Uh, but you also started a podcast, right? You guys do a podcast where you review the New York Times crossword puzzle. Yeah, man. It's called uh, One Down. It's with uh, uh, myself and my buddy uh, Brendan Ayer, who's another uh, comic, really funny dude, and we uh, we every day we do the New York Times crossword puzzle, and then we do like a weekly review of it and it's uh you know it's a lot of jokes but it's also it's also about crossword puzzles yeah that's interesting my parents used to do crossword puzzles literally every day that was like their thing they would do it and it didn't you say it gets harder through the week like monday is the easiest and then friday is the hardest one uh so it goes monday traditionally it's like monday's the easiest saturday's the hardest and then sunday is it's kind of like difficulty wise it's sort of somewhere between like a maybe a Thursday and a Friday, but, uh, it's, it's twice as long, twice as many oh. clues as the other ones. But, uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's all over the board lately. And Monday and Tuesday are usually pretty easy, but like I've, I've gotten killed on a Wednesday lately. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you now see, how does that work? I always wonder that with now the internet, can't you just Google a lot of the answers or is that just, I mean, it's cheating, I guess, but do you ever do that or do you, are you trying no, to stay straight? No, I mean, we, yeah, we sort of uh, made that rule. I mean, I made that rule for myself when I started doing these things a long time ago. I'm like, I'm not going to benefit at all from this or, you know, it's like, yeah, you could easily just fill it in by Googling. So the, the rule for me and Brendan is that we do them on the app, on the, uh, uh, on the Apple app. And it's, uh, you can't Google anything. You can't ask anybody anything and you can't do, there's like a little button where you can check words or check puzzle. Uh. We can't do any of that. It's we're purists, man. We're, we're purists. But yeah. even at the end, you do it then? Because then, like, at some point you go, at okay, the I end, either, so if you finish, if you get it right, perfect, Yeah. it'll, like, give you a little, da 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 you know, like, you'll hear a little noise. So it'll, uh. it'll, it'll let you know if you, and if you don't get that, you know, you just keep trying to get it. And if uh. at some point, you know, at some point I'm like, I can't get it. After, like, two and a half hours, I can't get it. And I'll just hit reveal and okay. then but then we don't we don't count that as huh. being complete uh yeah i'm like brendan's way better at it than i am. Oh, okay but i i had a pretty good week last week man i, I went should, six yeah. or seven 
That's yeah, that's really good. I need to start getting into that. Yeah. It's actually a really good thing to do for your mind. Like it doesn't like relieve anxiety and like supposedly if you like do it a lot, like people that do crossword puzzles, they don't have as much Alzheimer's and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I mean I hear that. I hear that yeah. like it's really good for your brain chemistry. But if you were to listen to the thoughts in my head <laughs> while I was attempting to solve a crossword puzzle, it would sound anything but smart. You know, it would sound like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, like, women, no, women, oh boy, it's boy. I got it. Yeah. yeah boy. Yeah, that's that one. But it that's, doesn't yeah. sound like, uh, doesn't sound like brain chemistry. No, <laughs> but you're you're using your brain, and that's like it's a muscle. Geology, so, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So let's start back at the beginning, though. So you're from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, this is interesting yeah. background. Your father was a high school wrestling coach, um, and then your mother made you play the clarinet. But then you ended up yeah. doing the wrestling too. So you kind of you incorporate a lot of that into your comedy routines, highlighting the uh, the conflict between both being you were both a varsity wrestler and a band geek. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, we, yeah. that was um, an early bit that I did uh, called Flute Man that kind of kind of helped me out, man. It gave me a little, uh, gave me a, I think it, that bit alone got me into like the Montreal Comedy Festival. And then the, the bit got popular on uh, this, this radio show, the Bob and Tom. Bob and Tom, and, right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it really kind of kind of helped me out. man. But it was true, right? I mean, those are, th- you really were a wrestler and you really were yeah, in the yeah, band yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was on the wrestling team. Uh, my dad was my uh, coach, and uh, you know I played I played uh, clarinet in the band. Let's see, I played all the way you know from I was like fourth grade all the way up through my junior year of uh, high school, and then on my senior year, um, I quit because I wanted to write on the school paper, mm-hmm. and that was that was offered uh, sixth period, and uh, and I was in the and then band was off for six periods. So you couldn't do both. And I was like, ah, I think I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm hanging up the reeds as it were. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever pick it up now or are you totally? No, playing? no, I, I did for a while, man. I was like, when I was, I would play it on the Bob and Tom show every now and did a couple sketches with it, but uh, no, I haven't, uh, haven't, haven't played it in a while. So, so then, yeah. So you graduated from high school and then you went to, you took the typical stand up comedy uh, route. You went to West Point on a wrestling scholarship. Yeah. So you, and that's yeah, like, I mean, effectively, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not really a wrestling scholarship. Cause it's like everybody that goes to West point is on a scholarship. I mean, like, okay. um, you're actually paid. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're paid like, you know, like a private in the army or a little less, I think. But you, so basically the government pays for all of your school and you get a little salary, which most goes to books and expenses or whatever. But yeah, we would get a little bit of extra cash. Yeah, so for for people who don't know West Point, it's like military school, right? Basically, yeah, college. Uh, that's the uh, it is the United States Military Academy. So that's you know, there's one for the Army, and that's what West Point is. And there's the Naval Academy, and then the Air Force and Coast Guard. And yeah. so you had to go through like a like a basic training, and you said that you would do a lot of dumb stuff, and you screwed up a lot as a freshman. Do you have like oh, some yeah. stories of of things that you did that you that stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, I was I was like always getting yelled at. Um, I mean, we, everybody gets yelled at, you figure that out. But like, I think right. I was especially getting yelled at. Like they would, uh, I'm trying like, well, I remember one time, like you have this drill where you take apart your, your rifle and you, you put it back together effectively. Mm. And like, 
I, um, we were doing it as a squad or whatever. And I like, uh, I lost the part of the rifle. Oh lost, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I lost, uh, the firing pin, which, oh, uh, no. turns out Chuck is a pretty important piece. To, <laughs> to and and I, like, I, I was like, oh, uh, crap. Yeah, I was like, yeah, man, maybe they maybe they won't notice it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then do you have to I, I shoot it or? No, we I, I th- during that drill, I don't think we shot it. But okay. then, like, I lost it, and it became, and I could tell how big of a deal it was that I lost it because like the guy that was in charge of me, like our squad leader, he was mad, but you could also tell he was a little scared that like he was going to get in a lot of trouble because oh. one of his idiots. You know, like you see that like anger and fear within yeah. him, you know, and it's just like all, it kind of like, Oh, I screwed up real bad here. I remember like digging and digging and digging and like, I found it in the grass. I found oh, it. Wow. And this guy is still remember, I think it was cadet Rodriguez. He was like, you know, he was like an upper class. He's like, uh, he's like, good job, Mr. Warren. You found it. And this guy Costigan, who was like a senior and he was like a, you know, higher ranking guy. He was like, he goes, no, it wasn't a good job, Warren. You're an idiot for losing it in the first place. <laughs> oh, God. But you found yeah, it. That's yeah. good. So is that yeah. why you – because you, then you end up going to uh, University of Missouri where you did uh, journalism and, re- and did wrestling there. Is that part of why you transferred to University of Missouri? Because it was like these guys yelling at you and stuff or it just wasn't a good fit or what was the reasoning there? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was specifically because of the firing pin, but it was – Well, no, just because I mean, you got yelled at a lot though or – yeah, I think it was kind of like, um, it was a lot of things. You know, I, uh, I mean, I'm a stand-up comic, so obviously I don't like the most structured life in the world. Right. Um, I don't like that much authority. And I think I felt like I was a pretty straight-laced guy in, in, in high school. You know, I was pretty straight-laced. Um, I had a great high school experience. I had great parents and all that. But I think I was kind of wanting to have a little fun when I got to college. and yeah. um you know, and, and West Point is, is not, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, we never left, we left like twice during the first year. And I was, I was the whole time I remember talking to my dad and, you know, thinking about quitting and, you know, we kind of said, Hey, once you stick out the first year, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what. Okay. Yeah. And so then I remember like going back and forth and back and forth. And then it got to the end of the first year. And the first year is the hard part as a plea. Like the first year is the hard part. And after that, it gets a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was like the last day of school and I still wasn't sure what I was going to do. Didn't you and, think of moving to LA to pursue a dream of stand up comedy at that point, even though you had never tried stand up at that point, you thought of moving there a little bit after that. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it was in my, the back of my head, but I was, uh, so I was doing, um, we were at like some, uh, we were done with the school year and we went to this giant assembly. It was everybody that was in the, you know, the freshman class, all the police. And they basically were talking about, Hey, you're about to go on leave, you know, you know, for like three or four weeks, you're going to go get on leave and then you're going to come back and you're going to go to this training. And they were talking, and it was, the training was like driving tanks and stuff like that. I think it's called camp Buckner. So we go to this big assembly and they're like, and when you get back to your barracks, we're going to have an inspection, an equipment inspection, um, to make sure you have everything ready for, you know, you have all your stuff ready for the summer when you come back. And I remember in my head, I was like, it's so far, so long ago, but I remember thinking like, I, uh, man, I lost a lot of that stuff that was in, that I'm supposed to have. I lost it. Like, and they were going to have this inspection. We're going to uh, lay it out. 
and they're just going to start yelling at me again. I oh, thought all crap. the yelling was over, and and we were marching back, and I, I still remember we were marching back from the, the assembly to our barracks, and I remember thinking, um, yep, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And I ha- it was not easy, man, because I made it through the harder part, and it was finally, you know, you basically – you're a freshman and you, you have these guys in your company that are upperclassmen. You have, you're not really allowed to speak to them other than to get yelled at for like <laughs> the whole year. Yeah. And, and then that last night they recognize you and they're like, okay, this guy's now you're one of us. And I remember like, you know, I was going to miss out on, on all that stuff. It was, it was kind of a cool thing. Like I made it through the hard part, but even then I was like, I'm leaving. And, uh, I, uh, I talked to like, it was hard because you had to go through like five levels to quit. You know, I talked oh, to really? my squad leader and he'd be like, yeah, okay. You know, and then he moved me up to the platoon leader and I'd be like, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, man. I, you know, uh, and they try to talk you out of it and I'd listen to him and I'd be like, I still want to quit. And then, it, you know, it got up five levels and I was finally like, you know, I finally convinced the guy like I'm leaving, man, I'm quitting, you know? And, uh, it was hard, man. Honestly, at the yeah. time, I remember was it hard telling your dad? Like, is that, I'm assuming like, does, was your dad the one that kind of pushed you to do that? Cause that seems like not, I mean, I, I didn't know you back then, but just being a stand-up com, uh, comedian, like you said, that doesn't seem like some, a very good fit for a stand-up comedian to go to like a military school. Well, um, I, I mean, I think my dad pushed it, but not, I think in the end it, it was definitely my decision. He, okay. he pushed it a little bit, but he wasn't overbearing about it. And you know, I, I wouldn't put it on him because I, and I was not like just, you know, I was a pretty, I was a good student and I was a, a real good wrestler. And I, you know, like I was a pretty, you know, the stand up comic part was there, but I, you know, I had a guy, I'd accomplished a lot in high school. Mm-hmm. I just, um, and I kind of got wrapped up in the, uh, you know, everybody was impressed when I told them, yeah, rest, yeah. The West Point wants me to go there and I got a congressional appointment. And, you know, all the adults are really impressed by it. Hmm. And I'll, I went to a, a, a school with, uh, you know, a lot of, some, it was very diverse, but my friends were really well off and they were all uh. going to these really, they were going to these really like upscale private schools uh, back East. And I was like, well, well, I can, I can one up everybody. I'm going to the, you know, to West Point. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, um, I think that's part of the reason why I went. So when I quit, I remember, you know, I, yeah, I told my dad and he was, you know, I don't think he was happy about it, but he was, he was understanding. My mom was thrilled that I was quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, uh, I felt like I was letting down my country in some ways, you know, like I, I, I was a pretty serious wow. kid, you know, but I, yeah, but I wound up, I wound up leaving and it was, uh, I think it was the right thing to do. Yeah, probably, uh, probably saved a lot of lives. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot to have on your shoulders when you, th- I never thought of it like that. Like, yeah, like you're letting your country down. Like you're supposed, cause if you, if you go through West Point, then at some point you have to actually go into the army for so many years or do they count the West five. Point? Oh, five. Okay. Time it was five. Yeah. Wow. Five years. Yeah. That's a long time. And that's time. the other thing I was like, man, so this is four years in the military and in, in the military school. And then yeah. five years after. And I was like, that's nine years of my you know, yeah. young life, and I don't really like the military. And I'm not going to line up doing it forever. So right. I, uh, which that may not have been right or wrong, but nine years when you're 18 years old seems like a lot of time. Yeah, it no, wasn't, that's uh, 
wasn't really um, ready to do that. You know, and I, I, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of respect for the military and, you know, my classmates that stayed and everything. But uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience, really. Yeah. So anyway, so like I said, then you, you end up going to Missouri and, and you, you're, you're a pretty good wrestler. You finished seventh place in the, uh, 1991 division one, uh, wrestling championships, right? That's, that's, is that, that's nationally, right? Or that wasn't state or was that? Yeah. Yeah. It was in the, in, in the nation. Yeah. The nation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So can you explain the, the, pro- you talked about this a little bit. I heard you uh, in some interviews talking about like how you have to gain and lose weight quickly. Um, they like ride the exercise bike and then you, you don't drink any water. Um, and then I heard you say, I don't know if I heard this right. I listened to it. Like I had to rewind it like three times. Like I must be hearing this wrong. Did you really lose nine pounds in two hours? Yeah. Yeah. That was <laughs> uh, the way that wow. done, and the rules are different now, but back then. So basically, you know, I, my weight class for the most of college was 150 and I bumped up to 158. So, you know, you're wrestling 150, um, and typically there's two kinds of weigh-ins. If you have like a dual meet where it's just you against one team, you would, uh, you know, you'd weigh in, and then five hours later you would wrestle. So you have kind of recovery period in there. So, so let's say I was 150. A lot of times for that thing, you know, I'd be you that last 24 hours. You're just basically dehydrated. Mm. you're you know not drinking water and then the last hour before the weigh-in you're really seriously dehydrating which is like you're putting on plastic plastic suits and you're sitting in saunas and steam rooms and working out we had like this sort of way to get it off and then then you step on the scale and you don't feel good and then you just drink a bunch of gatorade and water and you can usually recover within five hours the other way is if it's a tournament and that would be like the night before so you know you weigh in on a thursday night and you wrestle friday so you have a lot more time to yeah. recover. And that's like the nine pound thing. That was my junior year at the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, you have to weigh in every night. So I, we waited in Wednesday night for the Thursday beginning of the tournament. And then Thursday I, I, I kept winning or I, I still was in the tournament. So Thursday night I, uh, you know, I had to wrestle uh, I, Thursday night I had to weigh in again and I stepped on the scale and I was nine over and two hours later I made it. And I was, you know, uh, yeah, wow. and it was just, yeah, it was insane. Now these days they sort of realized, like, I think some kid died oh. in the nineties from doing it. Yeah. Part of me, and it, it, it's an unhealthy thing to do. I wish I right. would have done it. It's, it's a crazy thing, but I think the kid died cause that's when people were starting messing with creatine. And I think some oh. of the dehydration with some of the supplements might've been what killed them. But okay wrestling stepped in and said, Hey, we're going to make some new rules. And so what they said is, Hey, you can't, no plastics, no saunas, no, you know, no steam rooms. It's hard to kind of regulate that. And they also said, we're going to, every, every way is going to be an hour before. So you don't like, you'd have to be a maniac. Yeah. You have to be a maniac to, to, to drop nine pounds, get on the scale. And then you don't have time to rehydrate and sort of rest and, 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 you know, recuperate from all that. So mm-hmm. they don't do as much dehydration. I think there's some stuff that still goes on. And then they also, they measure your body fat early in the year. And that, you know, basically say like, okay, hmm. this is the lowest weight this guy can go based on, you know, body fat. Well, when you lose all that weight so quickly, and then, I mean, are you still in the position to wrestle? Like, I would think that if you're, 
if you're dehydrating yourself that much, isn't it, aren't you like tired? And then it's like, you have to go all of a sudden wrestle somebody. You're not like low energy. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying. Like back in the day, believe it or not, five hours, you could for the most part recuperate. Okay. Mm, wow. If you did it the right way and you rehydrated the right way. You could, and especially if it was, you know, you had a whole, you know, you did it at, at, at eight o'clock at night and you weren't wrestling until 11 the next morning. You got a lot of time to recuperate. You could rehydrate, then you eat a couple meals, and you know, so you effectively you're wrestling at like ten pounds higher than you actually stepped on the scale at. So hmm. if you wrestled one fifty back in the day, yeah, you wrestled one fifty and you weighed one fifty for a split second, you know, twenty times during the year. You didn't weigh one fifty normally. Yeah. You know? That's crazy. So even as good as a wrestler you were, you can't really go pro with wrestling. I mean, it's like college is kind of as far as that as like real, real wrestling, unless you like do WWF or something. Yeah. I mean, these days, a lot of those, a lot of wrestlers going to MMA. Oh, you know? that's true. Uh, um, and then back in the day you could go, you know, to the Olympics and stuff like that. But yeah. I knew I, one, I was sick of wrestling and two, I knew I wasn't, I wasn't good enough for that. I could compete with some of those guys that were that good, but I, I couldn't beat him. Yeah. You so know? then you, so you graduated college and then you, you took a job as a bus boy at Denny's, but that was short lived. Cause then you got this interview with P and G and then you, you actually had like a really good sales job for them, right? Where you sold Pringles and all these Duncan Hines and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I was, I was, uh, I got my first, uh, first big job. I, I, uh, you know, while I was working for Denny's, I, uh, uh <laughs> that's that dark time that nobody talked about. Like when you, Cause I, I was focused on wrestling. You know, I wasn't, I mean, yeah. I, I had decent grades, but I didn't think about anything past the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, <laughs> I got, I got to get a job. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of my friends already had jobs lined up. I didn't. And I you go interview and you don't get a job and you're like, well, this is awful. And you're living with your right. parents. Yeah. And I was like, I, I'm moving to my parents' basement and I'm, I took a job at Denny's and like, this is, this is, I guess, you know, you, you you're a kid. So you just don't, get things and everything seems so permanent. I'm like, well, I guess this is what I'll be doing for the rest of my life. Working <laughs> God, no. Yeah, yeah. Living in my parents' basement. And, uh, so then I did that for a while. And I, I interviewed down in, uh, in Houston. Uh, and I got a job. Yeah. With Procter and Gamble. When the, the back then it was the food beverage division where you resold, uh, Duncan Hines, Crisco, Pringles, Sunny Delight, um, Fisher Nuts, Hawaiian Punch, all that stuff. Folgers coffee. You yeah. did that for 10 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, different versions. I was uh, down in Houston calling on a big wholesaler for most of that time. And then I got transferred up to Cincinnati and I called on a, a, a Kroger division, a couple Kroger divisions up there. And then yeah. I, I got, uh, then they moved me into the, you know, the corporate headquarters for oh, like a year as a, a project manager, what they call it. And I was, it was, it was, it was a good experience. It's a really good company. And they the people, they treated, treated me great. And I just, but it was like, I, um, I don't know. I was kind of doing stand up on and off during that right. whole time. And I, I, you know, I just, I didn't, I missed the, probably some of the, some of the thrill of wrestling, you know, some of the sort of being the center of attention, being, yeah. you know, the, sort of like the, the challenge of it and the sort of, um, the rush. And I, uh, you know, I, I found some of that in stand up. Yeah. So I, uh, about 10 years into it, I, you know, I, I wound up, uh, leaving the company and it was, um, you know, at that time I was kind of like the way stand up comedy works is so in most of the road clubs, you know, outside of, outside of New York and LA, mm -hmm. you have like a, 
you have an MC. He's the first uh, first comedian, and then he's usually a local guy. He or she is a local guy, local person that does, and you know they're paid hardly anything, and they you know they just go up and they do ten minutes. It's a very very it's the hardest spot for the least experienced person, mm-hmm. and then you have a middle act. You know, and those back in the day and when I was doing it in the nineties, there was, that would be somebody that would come and they do like a half hour and they would be from out of town and they would be, you know, they would usually be from out of town. They put them up in a hotel, yeah. but they were making, you know, at the most like five, 600 bucks. A week. It was, you know, it, 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 but it was like, is that called the uh, feature? Sort of, is that the feature? The feature. Sure. Yeah. yeah and the middle or the feature. And that's like the, it's like a really sort of the cake spot and it's for okay. sort of like up and comers and it's fun and uh, you don't have to be the first first guy and then you have a headliner who's paid right. more and, they, and they're from out of town obviously so I was you know living in, in Houston towards the end and in Cincinnati I was like the first guy at, at clubs all over Ohio and um, I, I you know one weekend a month I'd be in Dayton one week in Cincinnati and one week in Columbus and uh, I, that was me that was my job and I was always the first guy and I got good at it, but it's still being the first guy. And it's not an easy thing mm. to go up and get the crowd. And you're yeah. only doing 10 minutes. And I was like, I want to be the second guy. That seems fun. So when I quit my day job, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, uh, I, I don't, I don't think I can do this long term. Like I just didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think there was a way for making enough money. And I kept trying to figure out a way to do both. Like I wanted to get transferred to New York or LA. And I was oh. like, you know what? I just, ha- I just have to cut the cord. And wow. I cut the cord with sort of my only plan was I'm just going to do this. I just want to be the second guy and see what that's like, yeah. see how good I can get. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing I'm probably going to have to go back to doing, you know, go back to a real job after a year or two. But mm-hmm. I had enough money saved where I was like, I could live making very little money for a year easily. Hmm. And so, you know, I, 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 I basically lived out of my car um, I put my stuff in storage, would stay at my parents every now and then. And I just, I just traveled and, um, you know, that was 2001 and it's 2020 and I still don't, uh, have a day job. So, that's, that's, <laughs> so that you did good. it. So, so yeah, so you're, fr- you, you started the comedy back in college. You actually won a comedy contest, right? At the, some club in Missouri. Yeah. That was, you know, one of the guys on the wrestling team sort of, uh, like signed me up. He worked at the, was that the first the time you had done comedy? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was probably, you know, that was late eighties, I guess, you know, but I I, like, like I didn't do it with a whole lot of regularity during college. I was more, you know, I was busy with wrestling. Um, and then while I was working for P and G the first five years I did it sort of sporadically. And then the last five years I was at P and G, I was doing it quite a bit. Um, you know, I was doing, you know, most nights I was out doing something. Oh, like during the week or, or on the weekends or both? Both. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. So that was, was uh, in, and so in, you said in 2001, you quit your, your, your day job at P and G. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then you just started, did you say like you traveled and you didn't have per se, like the comedy clubs, like, like hooked up, you would just go in to open mics and stuff and just perform. No, no. By that, by that, by, um, you know, once we got to 2000 and, uh, once I quit my day job, yeah, I had some relationships. I had oh. people that advised me. So when I quit my day job, you know, I had a lot of work lined up as oh. the, the feature, the middle guy. So okay. I was, you know, that, that was, I was probably working at a club, you know, 50 out of 52 weeks that year. Wow. You know, I, I had, I had, uh, you know, I, I 
sort of had it mapped out. And um, back then, these days, they don't put up a lot of the features. They use a lot of local people. Back then, uh, most of the features were from out of town. So I kind of had work lined up for the whole year. And, and you said uh, that's like 500 bucks a night to do the feature? 500 bucks a week. Really. Oh, a week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. That, I mean, so yeah, but you were able to make it work. So then in 2003. Yeah, I, was, I went from making like, you know, well over $100,000 <laughs> to making, you know, probably $20,000 that first year, you know? So were, were you happier making the hundred thousand dollars or the twenty thousand though? The twenty, yeah. That was that yeah. first year was one of the funnest years of my life. Wow, it was it was it was a ball. Yeah. And you didn't have a house; you lived out of your car, or did you get hotels sometimes at least? Or yeah, I had a you know I wasn't it wasn't the quite the romantic you know. There's a lot of uh, comics that do this that really struggle those those years. I didn't struggle that much because I had money because I had worked for. 10 years and I had some money saved up, not a ton, but I had a yeah. good amount of money where I was, I could, I could fall back. And if something happened, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, uh, I, whereas some people would have to just sleep in their car. I'd be like, no, I'm getting a hotel room. Like I have mine. <laughs> so right. I, nice. It, it was, I, I didn't live as hard a life. Like if it was some, snowing or something, you weren't, cause that would be hard to sleep in your car. If there's like, if it's zero degrees, I wouldn't sleep my car anyway. Yeah. And really? Yeah. Yeah. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So 2003, was this kind of your big break when you got on Comedy Central on the premium blend? I love that show. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that, I don't, I mean, probably the first break was to get into the Montreal Comedy Festival. Oh, okay. Um, that was like, I think that was like 2002 or something. And, and, um, that was probably the first break. And then, yeah, I got to, uh, yeah. A, a premium blend was the first TV thing I did. Yeah. So is that, and then at that point now you're headlining, right? Now you can travel and use that as no, a, I don't think, no, I, I don't think so. I think, um, I think I probably started headlining more around 2004. I mean, it, I think the thing that like I got better and I had a, you know, I had Montreal, I had premium blend and I, you know, I, somewhere in there I got on BET, like on a, um, it was like a contest show. And then, um, I think I got a, I, I did a Craig Ferguson set somewhere around yeah, in there. That, yeah. All that stuff happened sort of in those right, right around between, I don't know, it happened early. And, uh, you know, but the thing that broke me was like, the thing that made me a full-time headliner was Bob and Tom. Like I that when I did flute man on Bob and Tom, they played it a lot, like almost right. every week for like a year. People started to know who I was a little bit. And then Bob and Tom started doing some tours. They did like these big theater tours and they put me on that. And that's when I was like, okay, uh you know, usually with comics, you know, you get the headline, you may be good enough to headline, like you have the material, mm -hmm. but they usually, the club won't headline until you, they, you know, like they have to be some sort of a, some sort of a nudge, a push, a reason. And with me, it was the, um, you know, it was Bob and Tom is, is kind of what put me over. Okay. Yeah. Is, is that a, is that a national show or is that, is that just local mostly? No, it's a syndicated show. It's syndicated, you know, okay. I, it's, you know it, it's in a lot of markets. Okay. I mean, at its height, I think it was in like probably 180 markets or 200 markets, and it's still in quite a few. Wow. Um, but yeah. yeah, like you said, you did Craig Ferguson. You've done that like four times, and you did um, Seth Meyers and stuff. So what is it? Is that do you like doing the the late night shows? You talked about how you have to oh, kind of really change fun, your yeah. sets to do that, right? Like you have to change it to a late night kind of set. It's different than the club, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my um, I don't think my uh act is like a natural fit for those shows mm -hmm. um but it's gotten better i sort of, sort of like retrofit my act into 
a little bit shorter jokes and uh but yeah there's nothing funner it's really neat. really it's a really cool thing yeah. what about yeah. um you did amy's inside amy schumer in 2013 was that what's that like I, I didn't see that episode that you were in did you have a big role or was it just like it, a, no it was just small bit part. yeah i just ran into amy I, i've known amy for a long time and um i just uh ran into her like one night when i was living in new york um and she was like hey we need this guy to play a newscaster tomorrow and it was you know, honestly, I look back on it I'm like it, I didn't think it was terribly good acting because I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've done a little acting. You've done a couple movies and stuff. Do you like the acting, or is that just it's not really your thing? Um, I, I enjoy it. I, you know, I don't think. Um, yeah, I think there's there's some parts that I can do well. I think uh, you know, I, I, sometimes I feel like you know I knew what it how much work it took to be a, a good comic, and I part of that helps with being a good actor but i didn't do the sort of i went to acting class in several different iterations but i don't think i ever really fully committed to being a great actor like i have fully committed to being a you know a, a comedian so yeah, yeah. I, I think it's probably <laughs> in, in some cases it's probably in a lot of cases it's probably more deserving people to play roles and i don't um i've lived in new york i've lived in la and i don't really think i want to live in either city uh, again. Yeah, so uh, I yeah. um so so when you when you do that you're gonna you have to be there you're yeah. gonna you're gonna really limit a lot of your acting roles and opportunities right. and um I'm fine with that and that, now that said like I've um you know I've produced a couple of my own little things and then I've been in a few things here and there you know some opportunities come up and I you know sometimes I I think I'm a match for it so, yeah what about um, um the color commentary that you do for college wrestling do you enjoy I feel like that would be a natural fit your degree was in journalism you wrestled in college so and you do stand up so that's got to be a good fit for yeah, you yeah I mean I did that was like a one time thing you really? know, it was a while ago yeah. yeah it was fun it was really fun but there's there's like I said now there's now there's like people that are really really good at that that you know oh. they're, uh, but uh, yeah, that was that was pretty fun, man. It was a good time. Well, that's cool. And then you have you have an exclusive comedy routine on on the SiriusXM's uh, USA uh, Clean Comedy Channel, right? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I get played a lot on Sirius. Sirius yeah. has really, really been good for me. Sirius Radio is it's such a great thing for comedians. I, I think yeah. it's, you know, I think people really enjoy, enjoy listening to uh, comedy on Sirius. And I think it's kind of cool because, you know, you, I think it's really, I don't know. It's really fun. And in fact, it's kind of, you know, as a comedian, a lot of times I just don't want to watch comedy because I see so much of it sure. over the last, yes. you know, I, you're just watching all the time, but I don't really seek out watching it on TV. And I, probably have lost a little bit of an appreciation for it. You know, I used to love it so much and then you do it and you get a little bit immune to it. And, you know, and, um, I, uh, I think I was in a rental car one time several years ago and I just sort of, it had serious before I had, I have serious now before mm -hmm. I had it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to flip on the comedy station just to see. And then like, I, like two hours later, I'm like, well, I've been listening to the comedy for two hours and really enjoying it. So, um, yeah, so serious as, uh, is it really, really good to me? They um they play, they play a lot of my stuff. I think primarily on uh, Laugh USA, which is the um, it's like a clean channel for lack of a better word. And then uh, 
Jeff and Larry's comedy roundup, they play a lot of my stuff. Yeah, how does that work? Because I, I talked to other comedians, and like uh, one of them said that the, the her being played on Sirius pays her rent. So because they don't pay musicians, right? So how does the comedy thing? Why do they pay comedians? How does that? How do, do you guys have some sort of different deal than musicians have, or how does that work? I'm pretty sure musicians get paid. Oh, they do for the serious ones. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. I don't. Maybe I could be wrong, but I, okay. I'm pretty sure somebody's making money when they play something. Okay. Um, but it's like it, I, it's I, really good for comedians, right? Because that's like uh, Liz Mealy told me that it pays her rent in New York, which so that's got to be like a pretty good chunk of change there. Oh yeah, man, it's it's extremely lucrative. I mean, it's, it's and it's like double lucrative because it's like, um, you know, I get real cash money. And, um, but I also like a lot of people hear you and, and, and yeah, become fans. that's how I found you. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. yeah listen, they, I was they, like, um, Oh, this is, and that's how I find a lot of comedians. Cause, and they'll just play little bits and they'll play like a lot of your best stuff. And so then, yeah, it's like, it's like you said, it's, it's, it's hard for me sometimes to sit down and watch an hour special, but you can just listen to yeah. you know, quick little bits of people and it leaves you wanting more. And then I, and then I go and of course I YouTube you and then I look at all your other stuff. And so, yeah, that's how I think people find a lot of comedians. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, yeah I mean, I I can't tell you how grateful I am. Uh, and it just stuff comes like first full circle. The guy that sort of runs Sirius's comedy channels is a guy named Jack Vaughn, who's just a good dude. And Jack, I first met Jack. He, he started really the first comedy uh, record label. He started Comedy Central's record label back in the day. Oh. First artist that he uh, signed was Mitch Hedberg. And oh, uh, I love him. And, my favorite. Yeah, he's, he's one of my favorite comics. And Jack started the label with that album. And so, and then, you know, Jack produced my first big comedy album when he was at Comedy Central Records. And that was, you know, going way back. And then, um, you know, cut to now, Jack's sort of been in a few different jobs. And now he's sort of he's the, the guy in charge of comedy at, at uh, Sirius. And, um, yeah, he's just he's just doing some real cool things over there. Yeah, and by the way, if people are listening now, you can get Sirius free until the end of the month, I think. Right? Yeah, I, I know they had a deal. They had a deal like through May, through May, May 31st May or something. Yeah. Oh, was it May 31st? Or I think maybe 30th? How many days it, are in May? I'm ter- I think there might only be 30 days. Is there 30 days and 31? <laughs> uh, I can't remember. But uh, I know it goes until the yeah. end of the month. So, yeah, yeah people should cold, do man. that. It's, yeah, it's really uh those guys have um you know, they 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 they've Played it. I'm really grateful. Jack, Jack gave me some really good advice. Uh, call it maybe four or five years ago. Like I've never been really uh, like that profane of a comic. I've never been like yeah. you know, dirty or whatever. I was going to ask you about I, that. I, um, yeah, go go but, ahead. Yeah, I mean, I but I was never like you know uh, completely clean. Sort of most of the most of my career, I was somewhere in the middle. I was like okay. one of the cleaner comics, but oh. you would hear me swear. You know, it's just and I, you know. I like a lot of really dirty comedy. It's just, you know, a lot of guys, but it's just my style sure. I found was like fairly clean, but some profanity. And then it started getting a little cleaner and a little cleaner just as I got older, just how I, I started probably thinking more and more about, I want to put this on TV and it needs to be clean to be on a lot of the TV stuff. Yeah. And then about four or five years ago, Jack, uh, I was getting ready to do a new, a new album. Um, and the album's called fish sandwich, which is, my latest album, Jack was like, uh, I called him and I was like, Hey man, I'm thinking about doing this thing. You know, I'm, you know, I'm wondering where, you know, I just sort of chat. And he was at serious at that time. Maybe it was, maybe it was four years ago. And, um, Jack said, well, you, you know, he said, you need to be 
you need to go all the way clean. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you're so close. Like you're mm-hmm. so close to being, you know, all the way clean. It, it, it doesn't make sense for you to just not, where the album's not clean because of five words. And so I did that. And that got a lot of play on Laugh USA. And it, it would effectively kind of shifted my work a little bit. Now I, I pretty much everything I do is, is clean. You know, if you see a live performance, I don't think you'll ever be offended. You might hear a swear word here and there. I just, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I, on a live performance. But when I try, when I put something out, it's usually, you know, like a hundred percent, like a kid could listen to it um, for the most part. Uh, so, no, yeah, your um, stuff's, yeah, because and you're also on that dry bar comedy, which I had. Uh, I interviewed Andrew Rivers, and he he was on the dry bar comedy thing too, and he gets a lot of views off of that. You got a lot of views off of that one too. Was that does that lucrative? Does that pay well, or is that just more for exposure? I think, I mean, the best thing about that is, is exposure. And the, the yeah. reason why I did the dry bars is, is like, you know, I, I had plenty of stuff that was up on YouTube, but I didn't put it there. And I don't know, you know, some of it was stuff that I cared for. Some of it was stuff that I did not care for. And some of it was stuff that was just somebody shooting something in the, you know, with uh-huh. an iPhone and, and with dry bars. So, um, social media and internet savvy that like now, if you Google Greg Warren, probably the first 10 things you see are well-produced clips on dry bar with good sound and good lighting. And, you know, and, and, and they, cause they know how to get hits on, on that stuff. So now I feel like it's worth it totally just for the fact that if you Google Greg Warren, um, that's what you're going to get. And then they have, they know how to get a lot of views on their stuff. So I've made some, uh, you know, some new fans, um, yeah, they, they've been good. Do you ever get people that saw you on dry bar? And so they think that you're like the super clean and then they come out to see you and then you maybe drop an occasional swear word or something and then they get offended. Or like you said, or is you mostly, you I, don't I, don't, you know, I don't think I've had that. Okay. Um, That's good. With, because since I did a dry bar thing, like it's, it's really rare. You're going to hear me say something offensive, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just, I, I don't, um, Back in the day, like I think, like I, I did last comic standing one time, and, it, and at that point, yeah. I was like, it was like, and uh, when I was on that, like you're clean on, you know, NBC, right. and <laughs> I think somebody came to a show one time, and they're like, man, well, I didn't like how you swore, and I was like, yeah, I think she's kind of right, and then I was like, also, I was like, I think she's right, I, I need to, I need to be a little clean, you know. It's almost and, like you gotta go, like, you gotta go all in one way or the other. Like either if you're gonna go dirty, you gotta part. go super dirty, or if you're gonna be clean, you gotta be like really pretty clean, then, right? Yeah, and I and I think that's you know that's where I am, uh, and and so I like I it would be very very, I'd be very surprised if somebody came away from a show offended, you know. Now there yeah. are some people that go to comedy shows with the intention of I'm going to find something to be offended about, <laughs> and yeah. you know, like I, I don't think I can, uh, I don't think I can do anything about that. But, yeah, uh, well, and that happens yeah, on uh, social media and stuff too. Do you ever have that? Oh, I, yeah, it's, it's that same culture. It's like. Well, I'm going to find something to be mad about. Well, you probably can if you want to. You know? Do you have that? Um, Do you have trolls on like, I know you, you, you test a lot of your material out on Twitter if it's something short. And I think that that's yeah. a good way too. Cause then you have a timestamp. So if somebody steals it, then you, ha- you could say, hey, this is my tweet. But do you, so do you have trolls or people attack you on Twitter or anything like that? Uh, no, not really. I oh, mean, um, not on Twitter. Like, you know, I think YouTube, um, oh. you know, for all the, views that I've gotten on videos and stuff like, like there's always going to be somebody that says something negative, like some, and I, you know, of course I try not to read all the comments, but 
sometimes I catch myself reading and I'm like, Oh, come on, man. You know, like, and, and, uh, so, so yeah, the, YouTube is the one place where you, if you look at those comments, okay. you're, you're going to see something about yourself that, that you're not happy. I mean, even if it's like 50 great things and one bad thing, the one thing, bad thing, you're like, uh, but there's like, there's always going to be some, somebody that, that has a problem with what you're doing or there's, you know, I, I, I'm kind of naive when it comes to the whole trolls. I finally, I read this book the other day about the dark web or something, or, and it sort of really under, I didn't even understand the whole culture of trolls. Um, but yeah, there's some people that they're just going to go to try to, you know, to try to get you going. And so I, what, what do you mean the culture of trolls? Like, aren't they all just losers or is there more to it than that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, yeah. They're just trying to get a reaction. Out oh, of you, but okay. there's this, whole, this whole world of people that like that. Oh. I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. I thought it was just like, yeah, somebody, they, they are just trying. There's a whole world of people that are just because they want, they, can, they want the attention. Like if they tweet something, Cause my Twitter is like nobody, I mean, I only have like a hundred followers, but if I, t I mean, it doesn't matter what I tweet, nobody responds, but then you see the t things that are, the, it's an algorithm. So like the more interaction. So if you tweet something, yeah. you know, that's really racist or like offensive, then people are going to respond. And then that tweet jumps to the top of the charts or whatever. So that must be like what you're talking about with the trolls. Like they're I trying so. to get, yeah. Yeah. They're trying to get some reaction. I mean, and they don't, I mean, yeah. I, I probably have fired off every now and then like, I think when I first, like, I did I did a half-hour special on Comedy Central years ago, and that was a pretty big deal for me. And, yeah, I think it was pretty good, you know? I mean, I look back now, and I'm like, oh, I'm a much better comic. But I remember, you know, when I got all kinds of nice things, but I remember, like, the day it aired, somebody sent me an email that just said, you're the worst comedian I've ever seen, expletive, expletive, oh my expletive God. blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> How did they get your email I, address? It's easy. I mean, oh. I just, it's on my website. It's, oh, okay. They just email you through your website. So yeah, oh, my God. So they took so the just, time I mean, they, to go to your website, look up your email address, write an email. I mean, that's like a lot of work to the, the night it aired. I mean, like the biggest, geez. you know, that was like the biggest thing in my career at that time. And, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> and I remember, you know, uh, I think my standard response, I don't get too many of those, but it's just, thank you for your continued support <laughs> is usually what I, uh, is, is how I respond to those. Huh. Um, it's so yeah. fascinating to me. Like I interview, I've interviewed a lot of comedians and like, and obviously I'm a fan of all the ones I interview. And so when, when they tell me about trolls, I'm like, how can anyone not like think that you're not like enough that it like bothered them to like write a comment. It's so fascinating. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't get that. That, like, that takes some work, man, you know? And it's it wasn't weird. like, I've had some people send me like, Hey, you know, I think, you know, like I remember I did some jokes about like, I, because of the weight cutting thing and, 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 uh, in college and all that, the wrestling yeah. thing, like I, I had some eating issues, like oh. binge eating, like overeating issues later in life. Yeah. Um, where not binge and purge just binge, you know? Okay. Um, and I, and I just, I just would emotionally eat and all that stuff. It sounds, you know, crazy, but it's like I did and I got some help for it and sort of figured it out. But I remember I had some pretty good material about it. It was very sure. self-deprecating and it was very honest. And it was, you know, it was me. I was just like talking about like, you know, I would just like eat, like I'd eat Oreo ice cream all the time when I lived in LA, and like Ben and Jerry's Oreo ice cream. And then I was like, at some point I was like, I think, um, I don't think there's enough Oreos in these ice cream, in this ice cream. I'm going to buy an extra package of Oreos <laughs> and shove down Oreos in the uh. ice cream. And you know, I'd be at the, I'd be at the, you know, the convenience store buying it and the, you know, the checkout girl would be like, 
Hey, you know those already Oreos? I know. I know. All right. I know. I know. Oh, Look that's me. hilarious. Know. You know, so, and then I went, like, I saw some, like, I was like, I, after a while, I was like, this is getting a little weird. You know, I'm doing this every night. That, no, because I... I just had a blizzard the other day, a peanut butter cup blizzard. I don't eat that stuff very often, but I was like, oh, I'm going to treat myself. And I thought the same thing. I thought, you know what? They don't have enough peanut butter cups in this blizzard. Like, I yeah. think they chimp. Yeah, they got cheap you on me. Your own, you can buy your own peanut butter cup. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that next time. I think that's smart. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a bad time. Especially when you do it. So I remember I went and saw like a you know a therapist or something at that time and talked. And, it, and I remember feeling like really silly about it. Yeah, I didn't you know, I heard you say yeah, that like, you you don't get on a you won't step on a scale now? Like you refuse to even at the doctors are yeah, like, uh, you need to step on the scale. You're like, no, no, I don't. I don't get on a scale. Like, uh, I, I mean, just because <laughs> I spent my whole childhood on scales, I just won't do it. And they're like, well, you have to get on the scale. I'm like, I don't. You know, and they're like, well, <laughs> it's really important. You know, I'm like, why? They're like, a lot of reasons. For one, like the medication that we give you, a lot of it has to do with based on how much weight. I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm. Somewhere between 177 and 200. How different is the medication at 177 than is at 200? So anyways, the the reason I'm talking about this is like, um, you know, I remember doing some material about it. It was very self-deprecating and honest. And, um, you know, uh, and I'm talking about eating cookies. And and, and then this some lady just sent me a horrible, like, email about, my friend was at your show and she has an eating disorder. And you shouldn't be talking about that. It really upset her. And she was crying. Oh, my God. And I'm like, I, I, and I felt bad. I'm like, I feel bad for her. I feel awful for her. But it, she didn't understand. Like, I can't not talk about anything that with any meaning. So, right. you know, that, that I kind of get because you just struck a nerve. I don't, you know, I'm, I don't agree with it. But I, I very much empathize with somebody that feels the need to write an email because it, it, it touched her friend in a specific way, you know, sure. and upset her. But like just the general, I hate you and your act. Like, <laughs> wh- why would you take the time to do that? Yeah. Like, what is, what is, it, it, there's nothing specific. Um, that's so strange. So yeah, that's, uh, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. But you take, um, now I had a comedian on here where in the first interviews I did, uh, Anthony Davis. And I never heard of this, but he was talking about how he put all his jokes on this Excel spreadsheet and I, do you have the same kind of thing? And what kind of statistics do you put on yours or what kinds of notes do you put on the Excel sheet? Um, I mean, you wouldn't say it's all that, uh, it's just a way to organize material, but yeah, okay. I mean, especially when I'm, especially when I'm getting close to a CD or a special, I put the material up there and basically it's just, you know, a column of here's the joke. And then, um, you know, the time, mostly it's like, how long the joke is and then I'll go through and then, you know, I'll listen every night and sometimes I'll make a note like Neil, you know, it's just like, I need a little more here or here's a, here's a, might be a way to expand this premise or here's, here's maybe a place where we need to, to shore something up. Okay. Yeah. Cause the other guy, he he had like statistics, like how many laughs each joke got, like how good it did and like rated it. And like, I mean, it was like really intense, but yours sounds more. Yeah. I don't go that. Yeah, more just like so. And now I have been like, you know, gotten to the level of like, hey, yeah, the, here's where some of the stronger premises are. Here's some of the weaker premises, but I don't, it's not that scientific, you know. Yeah. So going back to the the troll stuff though, like, um, do people get offended because you don't swear? Like we said, your your comic comedy is mostly clean, but you do do like voices. 
um, you kind of, you do this kind of like a redneck guy, you do like a middle Eastern guy, you do the black guy, you do like an old guy. And I love it when comedians do voices and you're really good at it. And it's funny cause you create oh, thanks, these man. characters. Um, and, and I think the characters are endearing. I don't think it's derogatory. Um, I even love it when black guys do a white guy voice. I think it's funny, but sure. do, you, do you ever get criticism for doing voices of different races or is anyone accused of being racist? Or? Uh, pretty rarely. Yeah. I think, you know, Every now and then, if you do as many shows as I've done in my life, you're with people that are drunk. And I've, I've had some people be like really drunk and say, you know, they just, I'm like, you didn't really hear what I said there. You just heard, you you were looking to be offended. Um, and uh, uh, no, and I, I try to, I really do try to think about how could this be offensive? Am I on the wrong side of this? And, yeah. um, you know, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, part of being a comedian is to be on the wrong side every now and then. If, you, if you're going to find the line, right. You need to step over the line sometime, whatever your line is, yeah. you know? And, and so I will tell you, there have been times when I look back, I'm like, I don't think that was cool. What I did there, you know, like I, I, I don't, I, I'm not proud of that. Oh, um, I got a good story you, for that. Not, or you have a good story for that. Like, tell me this one. You said you were not proud of this. Is this a true story that you were at the, the ha ha club in LA and there was a guy oh, talking yeah. on his phone and you, you asked if you could see his phone and then you, th- did you really throw and break his phone? Yeah. Yeah. yeah what? <laughs> but there, there's probably a lot of comedians that have dreamt I'm not, of I'm doing not that. Ashamed of that. I mean, I'm not proud of that, but I'm not <laughs> right. ashamed of that. It's like when I said, cause that guy was a complete, they were complete idiots and right. just awful people. But I'm not, I mean, I should have handled it better. That was a yeah. long, long time ago, but there are, there's some stuff that I've said that I'm like, you know what? On stage, I'm like, that was ignorant, you know? And, uh, I wish I wouldn't have, but you, if it's, I, I fullheartedly believe this, like the comics should not, it's the problem with like, everybody has a phone, everybody has a camera. It's like, Oh, I caught this guy saying this thing on stage. Yeah. He's a comedian. He's going to say dumb stuff every now and then. And you're going to lose the context of it. And I don't think that now nah, there's, there's, you know, there's, anything taken too far is like, yeah, that guy is, that's probably not the first time he's been incredibly racist on stage and he has, you know, like, and lost his temper or that kind of thing. But I've seen some comics get just barbecued over a joke and I'm like, you're, you're looking to get mad and I don't like it. Right. No, I heard that like some millennials, they think Seinfeld is offensive and that's like boggles my mind. Cause like I actually started rewatching yeah. that series and it's still, I think it still hands up, stands up today. I think it's hilarious. It's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, those people are going to, they're going to find something to be offended about, you know? Yeah. You, cause you, your influences, you were like influenced by Eddie Murphy, right? Isn't that one of the first comedy albums that you listened to? Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was probably the, the first comedy album that I was, I was, uh, I was in, uh, on a bus trip up to, uh, Iowa when I was in high school, my buddy and Stacy Wyland and I were wrestling in a tournament, big tournament in, um, high school up in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And we, we took the Greyhound bus and, uh, yeah. And then he had uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, stand-up comic album, and I, yeah, it was great, man. That's cool. And so you got to do, um, you got to do a sketch. I saw this uh, video online where you did a sketch where you interviewed Joe Buck. Now you're a big baseball baseball fan. Was there actually oh, yeah, yeah. questions that you actually wanted to ask him that you? Because in the sketch, you don't really get to like do the interview um, because the referee keeps interrupting you guys. Were you actually able to chat yeah. with him a little bit, like off air though? Um. No, uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. We did, we did, we did. He was, he was in a uh, like he was really 
that was that video I think was to promote uh, the NCAA wrestling tournament in St. Louis. We played it at the tournament, and it was just a funny thing. And he was he's a really funny guy, and he was is he really like off air? He was in, really funny, yeah, yeah. And he was insanely busy during that time, and we caught him. We just got him for like two hours, and he, so we didn't have a ton of time to go back and forth. But he was really gracious and a really nice guy. And, uh, yeah, I, there's I'd love to talk to him about all kinds of stuff. I, I got to tell him about a few you know baseball moments that I really enjoyed him calling and I, you know, I was a big fan of his dad too. So, um, oh, totally. yeah, we got to talk. He was, he was a great guy, man. Yeah. I didn't realize we went to, I went to a private school for like two years in like sixth and seventh grade. And, um, he was in the class below me and I knew him. I remember him. I can <laughs> picture him his name, but he went by Joel back then. Oh, weird. And he, yeah. And, and he was like, he was a little heavier as like a kid, you know? Huh. So, now that I, and my friend was like, Hey, did you talk to him about when you guys went to school? I'm like, I didn't go to school with Joe Buck. He's like, yeah, he was in the class below. So I'm like, Oh, Joel. And then I was like, Oh, that was him. And if you, if I look at him, like that wow. was, that guy. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't even, it, I, I forgot that we, we did that, you know, that's crazy. I didn't, but yeah. yeah, he was, a, he was a really, uh, really, really cool dude, man. That's really neat. Well, why, you've done so many amazing things like with the TV shows and the comedy albums. Do you have any advice for people who want to be successful at something? Maybe not even necessarily specifically comedy, but like what kept you going through? I mean, because you were also a success, uh, successful salesman for 10 years. M- mildly. I don't know. I think it was video. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I don't. I don't know if I have, uh, I, I, I don't know if I really am, have a place to be giving anybody a whole lot of advice. On. <laughs> I think the, I, it, overall, I mean, I can give a lot of advice on stand-up comedy, but on, yeah. on just uh, life stuff, I think overall just sort of, you know, the thing that I've learned and, and I wish I would have learned quicker and I wish I would continue to learn is like, you know, failure is part of success. Like just, yeah. you, you have to fail. Yes. To be any good at anything. And you have to um, fail regularly and you have to find a way to sort of make peace with failure um, and not let it derail you for too long. You know, right. and learn and from I it. Think it yeah. yeah. And yeah, actually learn from it. And I think, you know, sometimes I've done a good job of that and sometimes I have not done a good job at all. When did you not do a good job of it? Uh, you know, like I, I can remember a few, like, I did. Com- I did last comic standing a couple times. I think the most recent was like in the last time they ever did it. It was like 2015, maybe or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And that year, I felt like I thought I could win this thing, you know. And I didn't. I got to the semifinals and I lost. And you know, it wasn't a great performance. It wasn't a bad performance. But you know, the first performance was really good. The second one was just mediocre. And I, you know, there's a there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that I'm not sure I want to talk about, but. Um, some of it was my fault, some of it wasn't. And I just, and I really let that get to me. I, for some, I kind of at that time, I was like, well, that was my last shot at really making it. And I just got, let it get to me. And I stopped writing for a long time. And, um, I look back, I'm like, what was I doing? I should have got back on the horse two days later, you know, take two days. And I, but I let it really, really affect me. And, And I was stupid. Well, is there is there that big of a difference difference between somebody who wins last comic standing as opposed to someone who makes it to the finals? I mean, isn't it all? It's not. Do they get a a bigger uh, payday or something? I think. Or well, I, I mean, like the semifinals. If you get to the finals, just like the top ten. I think 
um, you just get way more exposure. Way more exposure, yeah. And, and, and now, in retrospect, it doesn't. None of it matters. Right. But back then, it was really important to me, and I was. I thought I blew an opportunity, and I was pretty hard on myself, and I, uh, you know, I, I let it affect me for, uh, for way too long. I didn't. I wasn't writing. Um, and actually, a friend of mine, not a close friend, but a good, you know, friend of mine, this guy named Ryan Stout. I hadn't talked to him in a long time. He just called me out of the blue and started talking about writing and. He's like, what, what's, what are you working on? I'm like, I don't have nothing. He's like, yeah, come on, man. You gotta get back into it. You gotta get, you gotta start producing. And I was, like, I was like, yeah, he's right. And I, um, you know, and I, I, I got back into it. <laughs> and I was like, why did I, I was like, why did I let this affect me so much? Yeah. Like you, you put all your eggs in that basket. Like that was gonna, gonna, take yeah, that it. was gonna be the thing. Is it, and that's not even, yeah. the show's not even on the air anymore. So is there something now, like a goal that you have, like a show that you really want? I mean, you've done late now. You have your own comedy albums. What else? I mean, is there something else you'd want to do to have like a Netflix special or something? Or Well, I, I, I actually, um, I have a special that's coming out in uh, real soon, on June 30th on uh, Amazon. And it's uh, it's called Where the Field Corn Grows. And it's a, it's all about um, oh. sort of my lack my lack of understanding of farming and, uh, <laughs> and then that, that album will play, uh, in, 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 a, in sort of as a preview to the special, they're going to play it on Sirius radio in, in, um, middle of June. And awesome. then on June 30th, it's going to come out on Amazon. And, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. And you know, I am, uh, that we recorded that a year ago. And since then I'm, you know, um, I'm not, I got another, I'm halfway to another, uh, project you know another special or whatever it winds up being so um i'm, I'm excited about i'm more excited about that material than the thing that's actually coming out on a special because it's more recent but the special I, I think it's pretty good i think it may i think it's definitely maybe the most um definitely maybe is a really dumb phrase <laughs> but, uh, um uh good movie with uh, Ryan. definitely maybe hey what do you think that, that was a question i was going to ask you i heard this phrase yesterday <laughs> you look adorbs have you ever heard that phrase yeah, it makes me want to throw up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, 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 I, I mean, it really, and the people that say that, like, you think, oh, oh, I'd love if, like, thousands of years from now, like, um, aliens come and they find <laughs> tape of somebody saying adorbs. Like, well, this uh, this culture was so busy, they had to shorten the word, the word adorable yeah, to yeah. adorbs uh, because they just didn't have time to say yeah, adorbs. So they were that busy. Yeah. They were that, that productive. Um, uh but yeah, um, I think it's the most cohesive um, work that I like. Like the, okay. the material all sort of fits together better than anything that I've done. Um, so I'm I'm excited about that. So it'll be on Amazon and it'll be on satellite radio. Satellite radio, satellite. It'll debut on satellite radio and then um, it'll uh, wind up on Amazon and then it'll come out as a you know it'll be a a, a CD uh, uh, after that. No. It'll be an actual yeah, I'm, physical I'm, I'm, CD. Do do people still buy yeah, those yeah. as much, or is it more downloads? A little bit, not not a ton. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah I mean, it's it, it's more download, but yeah. There's I still sell a few of those after shows, and some people want want them. You know, I, I like to have them. That's cool. And then yeah. you can autograph it and stuff. Do you have, yeah? And you have other merchandise too, right? You have you have t-shirts and stuff. Um, I got some shirts. I just I just never sell them. And sometimes, for the most part, I don't even. I go through spurts. Like lately, I hadn't bring. For a while, I wasn't bringing CDs, and now, yeah, you know, God knows what comedy's going to be like for the next uh, year. So I don't yeah. imagine selling any, selling anything to anybody for the next. It's just a needless interaction that could get somebody six 
sick if we go back to doing shows anytime soon, you know? Oh, so you, do you think like the meet and greets and stuff are done for a long time or maybe forever? I think for a while. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, no, not forever. Definitely not forever. But I think uh, for a while they probably should be done, you know? I just think it's like unnecessary to, um, it's just, it's just going to be another way for somebody to potentially get sick. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard anything? Cause I, some of the comedy clubs here are already opening back up. I see even in Washington where I thought it was more strict. They're, they're opening some of the comedy clubs at like 25% capacity and they're taking people's temperatures yeah, and starting to hear some of that. I, you know, I haven't done it yet. I don't, I think that the first time I'm really, you know, scheduled to be back since all this is, uh, in June. And I'm and you know, I don't know if that club will be open or not. Hmm. So, but I'm starting to book some things here and there. It's, uh, I think, uh, personally, I think, uh, if you open a comedy club at, at, um, you know, half capacity or whatever and do the right things, I think that could be a good thing. You know, I, yeah. I think it'll be a little different experience than a full comedy club, but I think if you keep, people six feet apart and you don't have big groups and maybe, maybe don't eat. Um, I think that I don't see how that's, and, and maybe, you know, people wear masks or like, I don't see where that's a whole lot more dangerous than uh, a grocery store, to be honest with you. Yeah. The grocery um, store but, is stressful. Cause especially when it's crowded, like at least Costco, they, they only let so many people in and everyone has to wear a mask and they're much more strict, but some of the other ones, it's like really crowded. It's kind of, then you're on these like really skinny aisles. It's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think we can make it work. I, I, yeah. I, and I think we're going to have to experiment our way through it, you know. And I, and I, I just, I just hope that we do it the right. Yeah, if if, if you're well intended, I, I think it's something that we should try over the next few months. Definitely. Um, to how do we how do we make this work? And um, but let's not do it exactly like we did it in the past. You can't have a comedy club packed of 300 people laughing and opening their mouths and eating and. At least not now. I don't think. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, do you are you doing like the Zoom comedy show? A lot of the comedians are doing the online show. Are you doing any of those? I'm not, man. I I don't. Um, no, I mean I've done some like you know like <laughs> yeah. where it's just like a talk show kind of okay. format yeah. and that kind of thing. But I I have been asked to do several of just doing, and I just it, I'm a little bit more of a purist when it comes to the art form of stand up. Right, and I I don't believe it really belongs there but you know that doesn't mean that i i begrudge people that are doing um i just for me personally i don't yeah. think it belongs there and you know who knows if the world changes and i don't think the comedy's gone forever but if a year and a half they're still not doing live shows maybe i'll change my mind about it but for right now i'm like i also feel like over the years like i've learned is material is really important and very valuable and you know like yeah. we talked about serious radio Right and how lucrative that can be, and how it's such a great experience that people can have. And I'm like, I I spend a lot of a lot of my life trying to come up with these jokes. So why would I take this thing and I really really this precious thing and put it out on the internet in the worst medium possible for stand up comedy? You know, like why don't I move yeah. on to that and let's let's record it when there's crowds again? And, and you know, I just I don't want people to see. Be like, oh, this guy, that joke, garbage. Yeah. yeah. Have you th have you had a lot of material about the quarantine and the pandemic and coronavirus and all that? Not a ton. I mean, yeah. I've, I've got a few things here and there. You know, definitely, it, I've, I've got some. But I, I've always tried to sort of um, avoid talking about 
what everybody else is talking about when it yeah. comes to comedy. Because I just and that's mostly like, I'm like I'm not sure if I'm a, I'm not sure I'm like a skilled enough writer to like if everybody does a joke about this one current event, I'm not sure my joke is going to be the best. But I do think like if I talk about something, I try to talk about something that most people aren't talking about. That you know, then it's uh, maybe that can resonate with people. No, yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's got to be hard because everyone's got to have like a lot of the same kinds of jokes about the pandemic, and I'm I see a lot of the same memes and all that kind of stuff. So sure, man. If it's a meme, it's you know it's probably not a good thing to be writing about. It's just yeah. you know I, I sort of I can kind of get a feel now for like ah uh, just I thought of that. A lot of times I'll put that I'll use Twitter, or Facebook for that kind of stuff. Right. I'm gonna yeah. put this out there. I'm gonna guess that somebody else thought of this too, but I'm gonna put it out there. Um, nice. You know, and, and but but I do try to be like, okay, this is. Um, I do try to avoid the stuff that I think everybody else is talking about. That's smart. Yeah, that's good. I, that's why I like your stuff. So, um, I like to always end with a charity. Did you have some? Do you have a charity that you work with or that you're passionate uh, about? Man, you know, I'm trying to think. Uh, so, I, for a long time, I've been given like every month to children's international. Okay. And, uh, wounded warriors. Oh, that's like, yeah. like, and, uh, lately I think I also give every month to covenant house. Which, um, what, what is children international? What is that one? It's, it, I think it's like, um, where you, <laughs> this is where, like, this is how I sign up for charities. Like, <laughs> I was just like some, that one happened because I was in Denver doing a show and some people, kids were out in the street with clipboards being like, Hey, you want to go? Up? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, ah, that's this kid. and that was, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago. And I've been giving them money every month for 10 years, but wow, it's, it's, a, it's a, like, uh, kids overseas that, that need money to eat. Oh, okay. Basically. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, those are the three that I, uh, give to regularly. And, and I think every one of them, I can't remember Wounded Warriors. Well, I think maybe I just saw a commercial or something. But, oh, yeah, uh, that's a great one. And then what was the third one? Covenant House. What is that? Covenant House. I think that's uh, for runaways and kids like oh. that. I think, and that was that was recent. I was in New York City, and some. It's it's like I mean, I mean it's not really it's almost like uh, superstition, but part of me is like, like how hard is it to get somebody to watch my comedy special? Pretty hard. Mm-hmm. How hard is it? to get somebody to, you know, buy a CD or come to a comedy show. It's hard, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really hard. So I like try to have empathy for like, I'm walking by oh. this girl on the street. that's like, Hey, do you want to sign up? And, and, uh, do you want to, can I tell you about covenant house? Right. Now my okay. first instinct, and most of the time I'm going to be like, ah, oh, Come on, leave me alone. I'm trying to get to the next place. <laughs> right. And then every now and then I have this sort of twinge of guilt or superstition or just like pay it forwardness. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, I'm trying to get people to do stuff to break their habit and yes. go listen to my podcast when, and that's almost impossible. But right. every now and then somebody does it. I need to break my habits and be like, God, I don't want to talk to you right now, but what do you have to say? <laughs> Exactly. 
No, that's exactly, yeah. yeah. It's exactly why I, so, I promote charity. So I'm like, all right, it's not all about me and my podcast. Like I want to try to like do something better for the world. So that those are three really great cool ones. It's really cool that you're doing that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, you're, it's really cool you're doing that. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, I'd like to say it's because I'm just this great person. I'm not. It's yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Same thing. I'm like, I'm not like a great, I'm just like, I'm trying to be a great person, I guess, but yeah, I'm not. Yeah, not try, so. try, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've just, it, you know, and, and, and again, it really is that sort of thing. Like, how do I break? I'm actually asking people to break the continuum of their day. Yes. Every now and then I need to break the continuum of my day and maybe not do exactly what I want to do all the time. Exactly. No, that's awesome. So anything else you want to promote? I know you have the, uh, the fish sandwich album is out right now. People can listen to that one, right? Fish sandwiches. I got a few albums out there. Fish sandwich is the latest one. Um, hit them with your I flute. Pot. One yeah, star wonder. One star wonder. I don't think hit them with your flute is available. Is it true? Um, I heard you say on a podcast that I don't know if I couldn't tell if you were joking or not. You said one of your friends found one of your CDs at a garage sale for like a nickel yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 15 cents. Yeah. Oh, 15, 15 cents. cents. That's, that's yeah, a good deal. Yeah, it was sticker price. Sticker price at 15 cents. You know the <laughs> sticker at a garage sale. So I it probably went for four. Uh, uh, but, um, yeah, so I, yeah, I've got CDs out. I, I, I'm really excited about that special in June. And um, and then I've got a, I've got a podcast um, that I do with uh, Brendan Ayer. It's called One Down. It's uh, Yeah, the one we talked about at the beginning, the, the crossword puzzle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one. So, um, yeah, man, I, I enjoy talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for coming on uh, my show. So, you yeah, bet. check out everybody. Look out. So the and the new one coming out is called when the what is it when where the field corn grows where the field corn grows where the field yeah. corn grows. Okay, and that makes the sense being in Missouri, right? There's a lot of field corn there, right? Are yeah, field corn in Missouri, Iowa, uh, all over the Midwest. Area. All over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you're on social media. You're on Twitter. You're on uh, your Facebook. Says you're a bartender at Arby. So I don't know if that's your side job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. That's uh, that's where most of my money comes from. Yeah. <laughs> and you're on Instagram. That's how I found you. So check out oh, all really? your social oh, cool, media. Man. Oh, cool. And your yeah, website. Yeah. You have a website too, right? I think. Uh, Greg Warren Comedy. Yeah. Greg Warren Comedy. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on here, Greg. I appreciate it. Yeah, I enjoy talking with you, man. Yeah, so if we'll you ever get to Phoenix, talk. I'll have to come see your uh, your act Absolutely, live. Absolutely, and I will. I do. Okay. I need to get back there, man. I really like it there. Yeah, there's a lot of clubs here, too. So Great clubs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, thanks so much. Okay, man. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. All right, see you. Such a funny and nice guy. Uh, check out his comedy clips and share them. Uh, look for his upcoming album, Where the Field Corn Grows. Find him on social media. Follow him. He's a funny guy. Uh, you can follow me on social media if you want. Uh, I'd love to hear from you and what your thoughts on the show are. Uh, you can even write me a review if you want. Um, and if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have an amazing day or night. <laughs>